Well, again, good morning. Good morning and welcome. My name is George Davis. Thank you, Dave, by the way, for sharing your story with us. Great to see you this morning. Some of you are new this morning. Glad to welcome you. We're starting a new series, so this is a great place to jump in. As we begin this new series, let me just talk for a moment in in a way that will resonate with some of us. Let's talk about some football traditions for those of us that enjoy college football. If you enjoy college football, you're probably familiar with this tradition. It's a whiteout game at Penn State. In fact, some of you have been there. How many have we had? Yeah, we've had a few. That's got to be quite an experience. Over 100,000 people all in white yelling. (laughs) Obviously, a lot of Pitt graduates here this morning, but uh, we're glad to welcome them. No, yeah, what a great day. I've never been there for one of these games, but just to watch it on television. Now, if we're going to talk football tradition, I am from Texas, so I would also have to mention this tradition. Texas A&M University, the home of the 12th man where... Since 1922, the student section stands for every home football game, home basketball game, because the students are the 12th man. Now, these are very different traditions, but I think what they both have in common is this. What they share is this this idea that we are in this together, right? That we are part of something bigger, that we have a role to play, and we're going to do that together. And my question is, what, what, if, what if God really intended for life to be lived that way? Last week, I was at a convenience store getting a drink, and I'm waiting in line behind a couple of guys, and their bill, like they, they were getting some snacks, and their bill came to $5.89. And uh, they only had a five between them. So when they realized they didn't have enough money, they were starting to scramble to figure out what snack they're going to put back on the shelf. And I look at them and I go, hey, guys, I got this, no problem. So I pull out a $1 bill and I give it to the cashier. And they're very appreciative. And and as they go out, the cashier looks at me and says, do you want your 11 cents back? (laughs) What? You can just keep that. And, and And you know what? He paused. He kind of put his hands on his hips. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to keep this going. He said, your drink is on the house. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> I just saved 37 cents because the drink was going to cost me a dollar thirty, you know. And I, and I walked, but I kid you not, I walked out of that convenience store and maybe I, you know, I had this series on my mind and it's like, what if, what if God really intended life to be lived this way? I mean, because isn't it the case that there is something deep within each and every one of us that, that desires to be part of something bigger? Isn't it the case that at some level, I know we've gotten burned in different situations, but at some level we want to work together with other people to make a contribution in a way that that just moves us beyond ourselves. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the gospel of Mark. We just concluded our series in Mark's gospel. And, and I just want to say thank you. I know many of you kind of went through that series with us using a study guide that we prepared. And it was just great to go through this as a church and let you know we're already starting conversations about when we'll do this type of church-wide series again. So thanks for your input on that. But, you know, as we, as we went through Mark's gospel, we, week after week, we were challenged with the idea that Mark is inviting us to become a follower of Jesus, right? The book really ends in an open-ended way, kind of with this invitation that that you're to become a follower of Christ. You're to take next steps in this journey of following Jesus. And the reality is when you 
say yes to that invitation, you become part of something bigger. You become part of what Jesus described as the kingdom of God. And you, you actually become part of a team, a team just like this. So as we went through Mark's gospel week after week, we heard the invitation to follow, to follow, to follow. And now we're going to begin a short series where we look at one of the results of saying yes to that invitation. And the result is this, you, you become part of a team. And over these next couple of weeks in this series entitled, Put Me In Coach, here's, here's really the goal. I'm going to be right up front with you and where we're going in this series. The goal is basically this. The goal is to recognize when you become a follower of Jesus, you become part of the team. And when you become part of the team, you've got a role to play. When you become part of the team, you have a contribution to make. In different ways, we're going to see that over the next several weeks it was as we look at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to uh, ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. As you're turning there, let me just also say this. This series really becomes a great opportunity for us to say thanks to those of you who are already serving in different ways. You're already contributing in different ways, whether that's inside the church or even in our community. In fact, um, over the course of this series, you're going to see people wearing different wristbands. If you're part of one of our ministries, you've probably been contacted about picking up a wristband and there are different colors for different areas of ministry. Uh, If you haven't gotten yours yet, I would encourage you to get one through the ministry you serve with. If you serve in our community, we've actually got wristbands you can pick up at the hub. And this is just kind of a great way for us to kind of become aware of ways different people are serving, different ways people are making a contribution. And, And I would also just encourage you in the course of this series in particular, as you see maybe people that you know, you have conversations, just... If you see a wristband, just find out a little bit more. You know, so where are you serving? What does that look like? What does that entail in your life? And also, um, as we go through this series, we're going to give you an opportunity to take a next step because for some of you, this is, this is the next step in saying yes to Jesus' invitation to follow. It's getting involved as part of the team and figuring out your role to play. And in fact, you'll notice in your bulletin, there's a serve card that's It's going to be a communication tool we use over these weeks. And if you'd like to find out more information about what it means to serve in a particular area, you can fill that out. And and, and just to stay up front, you're not committing yourself to anything. You're just kind of starting a conversation with someone about what it might look like for you to get involved in a particular area of service. And in saying that, I also, I just need to acknowledge this up front too. I just need to acknowledge, you know, as, as your pastor that, you know, sometimes it's churches we're not always good at mobilizing people. Um, Sometimes in church leadership, it's just so much easier to kind of go back to the people that you know and just tap them on the shoulder again and again. Hey, what do you think about this? I know you're gifted this way. Would this be an opportunity for you? And unfortunately, what that means is there's some of you we, we should have had that conversation with and we never have. And to be honest with you, part of the reason as a staff we wanted to do this series was we want to foster more of these conversations where we talk about, well, you know, what does it look like for you to be a part of the team and what what kind of role and what kind of areas of service might that look like for you because this is part of the journey of following Jesus. So even in doing this series, we want to kind of raise the value and stir the waters for these kinds of conversations. But if we've needed to have that conversation with you and we haven't, I apologize. 
know that we're, we're wanting to kind of foster that conversation going forward, and we'd love to have that conversation with you. But if we needed to have that conversation and we haven't, just my challenge to you is look at this three-week series as us tapping you on the shoulder and saying, let's start the conversation. What does it look like for you to be part of the team? What kind of contribution is, is God wired you to make? So that's where we're going over the course of this series. Now, with that in mind, let's now come to Romans chapter 12 as we begin this series entitled, Put Me in Coach. Now, as we come to Romans 12, you need to understand this section of Romans is really all about team, I think, particularly Romans 12 through the middle of Romans 15. You see, at the beginning of the book, as Paul's writing, you know, these early Christians in Rome, he's, he's, talked, about, he's talked about what God has done. He's talked about the, our need for God to intervene. He's talked about what God is doing through the work of Christ. And he's, he's talked about what that now looks like in the context of church. And, and then we get to Romans 12. And now he's, it's like, okay, this is in light of what I've been talking about. This is what it looks like for you guys to work together as a team. This is, what it, this is what it looks like for you to be part of this team that the good news of Christ is creating. Now, my guess is this. For those of us that have been in, played team sports before, you've been on a team before, uh, at some point you've seen this happen. At some point you have seen a coach either look at you or one of your teammates and say, okay, look, you've got to get your head in the game, right? Get your head in the game. You've known that experience. Because good coaches realize that athletic competition, it's not simply about physical preparation. It is also about mental preparation and mental engagement. And I think in a real sense, as Paul is going to talk to this church about how to be a team and how to work together and how to serve, he really starts by saying this, you got to get your head in the game. To show you what I mean, let's come to these familiar verses in Romans chapter 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, as Paul begins this section, notice that he's describing a way of life, right? He's saying, look, you're going to be part of this team. You, You need to develop and foster a certain kind of way of life in view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that God has brought you into relationship with him through the work of Christ, in view of the fact God has given you this new identity, now this is the kind of life that flows out of that new identity. And notice it's, it's, it's a life of worship. It's a life of worship, right? I mean, notice how he describes our way of life. Now, my guess is in in saying he's talking about a life of worship, maybe our first thought is, well, of course I'm doing that. That's why I'm here. I'm right here, right in a worship service. And sometimes I think for us, we kind of, that's, that's the link we make with the term worship. Well, worship is what I do on Sunday mornings. Or even for some people, worship is the 25 minutes where we sing before the message, right? That's worship. Now, all of that is true, but notice Paul, Paul is stretching our categories. He's, he's playing, with, his, playing with, with our categories and our mind here because for Paul, worship involves everyday life. Our worship involves 
everyday life, right? I mean, he, when he says present your bodies as living sacrifices, I think the imagery of presenting our bodies, is, it's, it's who we are. It's our everyday life, our everyday work, our everyday commitments. I want you to present those as acts of worship. And here, Paul does something that occurs at various points in the New Testament. And it's, it's a fascinating pattern to note. That is, Paul takes, he takes imagery, he takes language specifically associated with temple worship, you know, specifically associated with a particular time and a particular place, the the practice of sacrifice. And he takes that and he now applies it to all of life. It's almost like he says, "I, I realize you may confine worship to this particular part of your life, but no, worship needs to characterize all of your life. It's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> does that mean I've got to listen to Christian music at work? Is that what it means? Well, I mean, that's great if you can do that, but that's not what he has in mind here. What he's saying is as you go through your everyday life experience, whatever that looks like, to live in response to God. To, to live in a way that just through my everyday interactions, the people that I'm around, school, work, family, whatever, that... I'm seeking to reflect God's character. Seeking just to kind of live out the character of Christ in my responsibilities and interactions with others. It's to live with an awareness that he is with me at work or at school or at home or whatever my week looks like. It's a willingness to bring my request to him throughout the day. Just, so it's, it's living in response to God. Furthermore, also notice that not only is our worship involving everyday life, our, our worship also involves sacrifice, right? The imagery he uses is, is sacrificial imagery. This means this won't be the most comfortable, the most convenient way to live. When we take it seriously, it involves sacrifice. The sacrifice of time, the sacrifice of resources, the sacrifice of convenience. The sacrifice of added messiness because I'm doing life with other people or I'm getting involved in the messiness of their lives at different times. An early Christian leader by the name of Chrysostom, as he wrote about this passage, said this, we sacrifice our hands through service. We sacrifice our ears through listening. We sacrifice our mouths through blessing and encouragement of others. Interestingly, I think in the immediate context of this book, this, this idea of sacrifice also relates specifically to what this church is going through. Because as, as you, if you read later in the book, it becomes clear that there, there is tension, there's division within the church. And this tension seems to be related primarily to the fact that there are both Jews and Gentiles in the church. And they're coming from very different cultural backgrounds, they're kind of different cultural expectations. Among other things, the Jews come with the expectation that, that, that people are going to observe Jewish food purity laws and the Gentiles don't have that expectation. So there's disagreement, there's tension, and it's multi-layered. And so I think part, when Paul is talking about sacrifice to this church, I think part of what he's saying is this, guys, you've got, look, I know you're coming from different backgrounds, but you, you've got to learn to work together. You've got, got to learn to serve together. You've got to learn to be for one another and build into each other's lives. It's, it's interesting, furthermore, that, you know, Paul talks about this is based on the mercies of God. And 
in the immediate context, context in chapter 11, of course, when he talks about mercies of God, that, that's the, God's plan of salvation. But in the closest context, he's, he's been talking about the fact that through God's mercy, he's brought Jews and Gentiles together. So part of what Paul is saying is this. Okay, guys, look, in light of the fact God is bringing you together as part of the team, you got to learn to work together. You've got to make the sacrifices necessary to work together to serve one another because we are in this together. That's the way of life Paul is laying out before us. And isn't, you know, isn't there a part of you that just goes, this is just so altruistic or it's so idealistic? Really? Don't we want to say that? Furthermore, right, he continues by talking about that this life of worship becomes a life of transformation, right? That that in this journey of worship and our new identity as we live that out, we're actually transformed from the inside out. And what what a radical claim. I mean, it's fascinating to read Paul's language in context to other philosophers and teachers who are writing in the ancient world. Because other philosophers and teachers, they could talk about ethics and morality and behavior, But nobody talked about transformation from the inside out. And that's the exact claim that Paul is making here about this journey of a life of worship. So the question becomes, why should we take this seriously? Paul, you're just setting the bar too high. Why, Why do we take this seriously? Well, notice again the final phrase of this first verse. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Now, candidly, the term here, the language Paul uses here, it, it, it's just hard for translators, I think, to fully bring into English. Sometimes you'll see this term translated, this is your reasonable worship, this is your logical worship, this is your rational worship. And I think maybe the best way to communicate what's going on here is just to give you a couple of illustrations. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had this situation? You're facing a decision, right? And as you're making this decision, you're kind of leaning in one direction. And as you lean in this one direction, the more you find out, the more information you get, the more clear it becomes, man, this is the way to go. Of course, this is the choice I would make. Our family went through this last fall as our our youngest son was now thinking about life after high school graduation. We started talking about, you know, college and different training programs. And and as we began exploring that, uh, some friends kind of put on our radar one particular school. And the more we looked at it from a distance, hey, this is... This is interesting. This seems to kind of fit your personality and your interest. And so we started leaning in that direction. And then we made a campus visit last September. And the more we saw, the more, you know, this, just, this, this is just a good fit for you. This just seemed, at least at this point, this seems like this is going to be a great experience. And then by the end of the campus visit, we discovered, hey, you're eligible for more scholarship money than we knew about coming in. Of course we're going to go in this direction. You know, Dad, yes, this is right. I mean, well, that was part of it. But, you know, but you just come away saying, well, of course this makes, of course we would do this. This is the most reasonable, rational decision to make. And here's what I think Paul is saying. Paul is saying this. If we could only know more about who God is and what he's doing. 
if we could only know more about what it means to have our identity now grounded in the reality of the good news of Christ. If we could only know more of that, then we would naturally say, of course, this is the way to live. Of course, this is the path to pursue. Nothing else makes sense. You see, Paul spent 11 chapters trying to overwhelm us with the reality of what God has done. And he says, if you could only grab hold of that, this would be the way your life would flow. Because nothing else makes sense. A life of worship. Life of living in response to God where you're part of this team that God is creating. Now, if that's the way of life, then the question becomes, well, okay, so how, you know, what are the building blocks of that? How do we get started? And then you go back to the passage, and you'll notice Paul says really a foundational piece of this way of life is how we think. Paul says, I'm challenging you, inviting you to a particular way of life. It, it starts with how you think. And here's where Paul, as the good coach, says, look, you've got to get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. So he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now notice here, there's, I think, a fascinating principle that underlies what Paul is saying. And that principle is this. Our way of thinking shapes our way of living. Our way of thinking shapes our way of living, right? I mean, Paul is, he's, he's, he's summoning us to this way of life, this life of worship. And he says, really, this life of worship begins as, as our mind is renewed. Our way of thinking shapes our way of living. Now, can I suggest to you, this, this is an important principle to grab hold of. In fact, maybe you're even here, you're not a follower of Christ. I would challenge you to say, I'm, even just to wrestle with this principle and see if you can't find truth in it in what Paul is saying, that our way of thinking shapes our way of living. I think it's important because I think sometimes we assume that, that how I engage life is just, it's just determined by external factors, right? So maybe right now I would say, well, how, how are you doing? Well, I feel a bit stressed. But the reason I'm stressed is it's all these external factors. It's all, you know, it's the responsibilities out here, whatever those look like for you. It's the uncertainties out here, right? Often it's the uncertainties in our life, family, finance, health, job. It's the uncertainties in our life that often are deep sources of stress. So I'm engaging my world, you know, from kind of a stress situation. But as I look at it, I feel like, well, the only reason I'm doing that is because of all the stuff out here. Now, I don't in any way want to minimize what, what you're going through or what you're experiencing. But if I'm not careful, I may not be paying attention to what's going on in here. I may not be paying attention to the way my values, my beliefs, my previous experiences, my outlook are shaping the way I engage life. But the case may be this. The case may be my internal reality is actually fueling the stress and I'm not even aware of it. Because our way of thinking shapes our way of living. 
Paul says, look, I'm, I'm challenging you. You're, you're part of this team, and that's going to lead to this, this life of worship that flows outwardly. But, but for you to get started in this, you need to understand that an important ongoing part of that is the renewing of your mind. And in saying that, can I suggest to you, Paul is actually contrasting two different patterns of thinking. And I believe Paul would argue that ultimately each of us, we can bounce back and forth, but each of us, we, over time, we find ourselves in one of these two patterns of thinking. Arguably, the pattern in Romans 12 is actually the reversal of a pattern described in Romans chapter 1. I won't take you there, but you can go back and read that on your own. But in Romans 1, Paul is describing the brokenness of our culture and the reality of sin and its effects. And it's, it's in part of this opening section that that Paul is establishing our need for God's intervention. And in Romans 1, Paul also shows us this pattern of thinking. He talks about idolatry, right? Taking, sometimes idolatry is taking good things and making them ultimate things. It, It can be described as, you know, worshiping the creation and created things rather than the creator. But he talks about idolatry and pursuing the wrong thing. And he says, ultimately, the, the, the patterns of idolatry that can take root in our lives become parts of distorted thinking. So in verse 26 of chapter 1, he talks about kind of a depraved mind and talks about distorted thinking. And then, then as the passage continues, he shows how that distorted thinking produces selfish behavior. He talks about everything from envy, greed, deceit, malice, right? Negative patterns of, of behavior. And so there's, in, in Romans 1, there seems to be this, this flow that is, you know, as, as, our, as who we are at the deepest level becomes connected to idols of the heart, that those idols can distort our thinking and they, they just flow into selfishness. So, you know, I can be all about I can be all about uh, reputation and my need for a good reputation. And that just, that then distorts my thinking because the way I interact with other people is really designed to, to foster them thinking good of me. And ultimately that, that kind of thinking can become selfish because I'm not really being honest with you. I'm just interacting with you in a, in a way that I want you to think well of me. It can mean over time I'm not trustworthy because there may be things I need to tell you, I have conversations with you about, but I'm unwilling to do that even though I may talk to other people about you or talk behind your back. So Romans 1 gives us this kind of negative pattern of behavior that flows out of distorted thinking. It becomes selfish behavior. And, and of course, by contrast is Romans chapter 12 where right there's this life of worship and and, and, and our commitment to worship leads to a renewing of the mind and then that flows into service because you'll see as we continue in Romans chapter 12, the next thing Paul talks about is the fact that we're on the same team and we've been called to serve. Paul says, look, you've been called to a life of worship. So let that reality shape your thinking. Let your mind be shaped by the reality of who God is, what he's doing. Let it be shaped by the truth that your identity is now found in him. Paul says, look, I'm calling you to a life of worship. And it begins with how you think. So get your head in the game. 
because as your mind is renewed, it will move you beyond yourself, right? In a variety of ways. It will move you into service. It moves us as a church into reaching our community through things like this upcoming crew week, right? As, as our minds is renewed, it moves us in an outward direction. Now, I think at a practical level, this means I need to be feeding my mind with reminders of who God is and what he's doing. Along those lines, I love this passage from uh, 2 Corinthians where Paul writes, and we all with, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Right? There's this image of this. As we engage God, as we engage the descriptions of God, of who he is in his word, that, that there's a transforming effect. And so at a practical level, I think this, the renewing that is foundational to this life of worship and service, it, it entails certain rhythms that need to be part of our ongoing life, you know, rhythms like engaging God in scripture. It's been great that, that for some of you, our, our journey through Mark's gospel has helped you get into God's word in a more regular basis. And I would encourage you just to keep that pattern up. I think one of those rhythms is a willingness to at times challenge some of these negative thought patterns that, that we get locked into to realize, you know, I'm, I'm starting this negative cycle of idolatry and distorted thinking, and that's going to lead me to selfishness. So I need to be willing to challenge that, to have the rhythm of confronting my own thinking. It's also just the rhythm of relationships and making sure there are people in my life that can encourage me and, and give me wise counsel and, and pray for me that are helping me remember that, that I'm now part of this team and I'm now a person with a new identity. So Paul says this, look, I'm calling you to a life of worship. And I want you to understand that in light of what God has done, he's, he's brought you into this team. He's brought you into new relationships. And now I want you to live in response to who God is. And as you do that, your mind needs to be renewed. You, you need to make sure you're getting your head in the game to remind yourself of who God is and what he's doing and who you are in light of that. And as that takes place, more and more, you're gonna have opportunities to step out into service. More and more, you will see yourself living outwardly beyond yourself, and you will understand that this pattern of life, of worship that renews our mind will flow outwardly into the lives of other people. That's what Paul is saying. And as we're going to see continually throughout this series, you, you become part of the team. You've got a role to play. You've got a contribution to make. So put me in, coach, right? Put me in. With that in mind, there are, uh, I'm going to ask you to, in a very tangible way, respond this morning. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. In a moment, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Then they're going to continue to lead us. And some of you, are, you're already serving in some form or capacity, either in our church or in our community in some form or fashion. And if that's the case, as, as our band comes back during the next time of music and song, I'm going to invite you to go to the back wall. You'll see the dark paper on the wall. And as you go to the back wall, you're going to notice a table. There are going to be tables 
that have these stickers. And they, the stickers just say, put me in, coach. And I'm just going to ask you to just to write your name and where you serve. I serve in children's ministry or I coach this football team or whatever, however you serve inside or outside the church. I'm going to ask you to go to the back, grab a sticker, just fill it out and place it on that paper. And I'm asking you to do this for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think, I think the very tangible act of getting up and filling this out is a reminder to us personally that we're now embracing this way of life that, that Paul is going to be describing in Romans chapter 12. This way of life where we're responding to God in worship and then responding to him in worship, it, it flows outwardly toward other people. So I think it's helpful for us to go through this exercise. Furthermore, I just think it's, it's an encouragement for us as a church just to see these stickers and to realize the different ways people are serving both inside and outside the church. Now, for some of us, we're here, maybe, you know, I, I come, I participate, but maybe the reality is I know I'm on the team, but I haven't yet figured out my role or how I can make a contribution. If that's the case, let me just draw your attention to something that's in your bulletin. It's this serve list. And if you pull that out, you'll notice there are different places where people can get involved in serving within the church and and what that can look like. And if, as we've been talking, you would say, you know, I, I think I need to explore this further. I think I need to realize what it looks like for me to be part of the team. I'm gonna just challenge you to begin kind of working your way through this and maybe you're ready to fill it out today. And if that's the case, as you go out, You'll notice boxes at the exits, and you can just turn in these serve cards as you exit. We're going to have these available over the next couple of weeks, and maybe you just want to take this home and pray about it and say, you know, I I think there's a next step for me. Now, I I realize this is going to look differently for us in different seasons of life, and and all of that factors in as well, but but we need to realize we're part of a team and that we've got a role to play. And so I I just want to challenge you. that's not your situation right now, just to explore what that looks like. And if you fill this out, you're not making any long-term obligation. You're just starting a conversation. Because remember, when you're on the team, everyone's got a role to play. Everyone's got a contribution to make. Let's pray together. Gracious God, um, as we come to this passage, Father, I pray particularly over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be gripped by this reality that to be drawn into your work, to be drawn into your kingdom, is also to be brought onto the team. Through the work of your spirit, when we're part of the team, we've got a role to play, a contribution to make. And Father, I pray that would grip us in a way that it's not about guilt or being pushed into doing something, but it's just the reality that in light of what you're doing, this of course this is the way we are to live. Father, I pray your, your spirit would even now just kind of work at the core of who we are to remind us of this truth, to drill it deeper into who we are so that, in, that we're even today being renewed by the reality of your work and what it means to be a part of that. Renewed in such a way that it moves us in an outward direction. Father, moves us in such a way that we just want to say, put me in, coach, put me in. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.